You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, the running public. How are we sounding? Is this picking us up all right? Yeah, Lisa Tarquins. Hello. Lisa sounds better than you do. All right. How about now? (laughs) Now you sound better. (laughs) You're just going to keep pushing me out of the way. This is a monumentous day today. It is. It's the biggest day. People who know big days say that this is the biggest day they've ever seen. <laughs> and I know big days. Who, who, Bracken? Why don't you introduce? Uh, why don't you introduce our guest today, Bracken? This girl's been staying at my house recently. She slept over last night, and we didn't have a guest. So I'm like, as long as she's still here, like, why, why don't we just get her to talk about running? Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of true. I did stay at his house last night, so. <laughs> <laughs> I was very misleading back in <sighs> My wife, Lisa, joins us today. <laughs> Hi, Lisa. Hey. Kirk, we've been talking about doing this for months, mm-hmm. and, and, and we've finally done it. We're going to get an inside scoop on Bracken Cracker from uh, the inside, as well as some insight on general sort of things from Lisa. Aren't we, Lisa? That's for sure, Yes. I want to know, I want to know, first of all, like how crammed are you two in this little situation? So I have two heads staring at me right now and they're they're both kind of sharing the same mic. Are you guys working out all right over there? There's two options here. This mic, we could each be on one side of it, but then we'd have to, in order for it to pick up bi-directionally, we'd have to stare directly at each other and not at you, (laughs) or we can both sit in front of the mic and look at you. I think you guys looking at each other would be cute. Well, it would be much cuter, but now I can just sit with my arm around him. and. Ugh, so I'm going to have to talk to two people cuddling the whole day today. Pretty how, much. how low can you see on this? <laughs> <laughs> cut! Cut! <laughs> start, start it over. Just getting ready, recording. It's staying in. Now, it looks super cramped, but if I put my arm straight back, I'm not touching the wall. Oh, yeah. It looks like you guys are almost next to the wall. Yeah, it, lo- it looks like we're inches behind, but really it's about two and a half feet. I have to lean to touch it. It's bigger than it looks. It's it's deceptive, yes. Uh-huh. All right. So, so how do we <laughs> so how do we want to get into this thing today, Crackers? Well, well we, had, we had two ideas. The first was <laughs> to get to know your host through their significant other, where I interview Jess to get that real Kirk, and you interview Lisa to get the real Bracken. Mm-hmm. But Lisa also represents an untapped portion of our listener base, which mm-hmm. is the clientele, or not even the clientele, the, the runner who's not running for anything other than happiness. Mm-hmm. They're not training for a PR. They don't care about 80-20. They don't care about time spent at threshold. They want to run so that they don't go crazy in the rest of their life. That's half and the so, reason why we all do it, right? 
Yeah, and for some of us, it's like ninety nine point nine nine percent. That's me. Yeah, Lisa. When is the last time that you competed in anything? Because I know you work. I follow you on Strava, and you work out very regularly. And I'll tell you, you run faster than Bracken half the time. I do. <laughs> when we run together, I'm like, "Come on, run a little faster." He's like, "It's an easy day." I'm like, "There are no easy days, Bracken." <laughs> <laughs> so when is the last time that you actually like competed in something? How long have you been? doing the workout thing without sort of the carrot dangling in front of you? Okay, well, this this actually is a really long story. I could give you the short answer, or I could give you the really long story. I like stories. Well, I'll jump in real quick and just say this so the listeners understand, and then Lisa, the floor is yours, is that we don't know each other very well. No, we don't. I feel like we're best friends because yeah. I listen to you every week. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Lisa, I think I've met you one time in person. I think two times. Yeah. Maybe two times. I was in your house briefly, but we've never actually like looked each other in the eyes and had a real conversation of length anyways. And yet I feel like I know you, Lisa and I text on the back end because Lisa's been like saving our butt on social media and she's like the one who's posting right now. And Bracken and I I are both on the back end responding to things and such, but like Lisa's kind of the secret face behind our social media. So we know each other, but we don't. So all this is new (laughs) to me. All of this is new to me as well is what I think I'm getting at. Yes. You guys are friends 2020 forward, but you don't know anything pre-2020 about Lisa. Nothing. Yeah. So I'm learning with the listener is what I'm sort of getting at. So, okay. Um, okay. Bring us back, Mrs. Cracker. Okay. Well, to answer your question, I have not competed in anything since two years, maybe for two years. 2018. I ran, there was a winter race series in the area. It was a new location every month. There was one race every month. It was a 5k, I believe. And I signed up for that to help with my race anxiety because it is really bad. (laughs) Like Mm. throwing up during the race bad. We're going to have to dive into that a little more. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. That's basically, that's the long story. Uh, so I ran those and every month I leading into it, I was like, this is not helpful. (laughs) I'm like Mm -hmm. still feeling this terrible race anxiety. So I decided that once I was over, that was it. I ran those and then I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. (laughs) The stress wasn't worth it. No. And this was Bracken's great idea. You know, being a running coach, (laughs) I, I trusted him and he thought that maybe if I was racing once a month, it would help with the race anxiety. And Mm -hmm. it was not the case. Then I just felt race anxiety every month for six months or however long it was. It's real. Yeah. It's real. Bracken, yeah. what what can you describe it from your point of view? And I had I had two athletes this last week into Vegas that were like, I'm so nervous. I'm not even hungry all week. Mm-hmm. I like my heart rate's 10 beats a minute higher. I had two that were like, I don't even they didn't know what to do with themselves. I assume it's somewhat like that. And you yeah, you're just miserable. Bracken, what was it like from your point of your point of view? Well, she had she knew that I had race anxiety in the past. And my response was that I got over it through confidence built through training and through racing a lot. Eventually, I was desensitized to it. And we we saw this winter running series and we thought, why don't we just do this? If you race six straight times over the course of 18 or 22 weeks, you can't help but get better at it. Mm-hmm. But we were wrong. You I was think, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it got worse each week, each race. I think we should dive into this right away before we go to your backstory. Well, that kind of is the backstory. Okay, so 
I didn't, I wasn't an athlete growing up. Um, okay. My mom tried really hard to get me to do softball when I was like, I don't know, younger grade school. Mm -hmm. And it was too hot for me. And the smell of the grass was terrible. And I don't like being in the sun. <laughs> I'm kind of a vampire. So I, I think Bracken's still a little whiter than you if I look at you side by side. We are actually shockingly similar. Yeah, we you, are. you even kind of have yeah. the little freckles, both of you and everything. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're aesthetically very like compatible. Thank you. We we have some shared blood somewhere in our lineage. <laughs> That's <a sweet> thing <laughs> we, we've been watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> Bless. All right. So uh, we... <laughs> this is a side note to make you feel better about this. Sorry. I guess a tangent is I worked at this place called Dennis Sports Shop in high school. And there was what I pictured to be this cute girl like that I worked with. Her name was Christine. And we worked together all year. And I never did anything about it, but I was like, oh, that girl's cute and cool, right? Like, I kind of like, eh, I kind of like her. <laughs> and then in that summer, I go to my family reunion and Christine's oh, no. there. <laughs> she, she's my second cousin. I had no idea until she showed up. I was like, thank God I did not yeah. go for that. Yeah. So anyways, it could happen to the best of us, Bracken. I suppose. It did happen to the best of us. <laughs> Shush. Continue. <laughs> So I, I had no athletic background. Um, when I was in high school, I decided I would rather work than do athletics, basically. I think I did uh, volleyball for one year. I only made the team because I was really good at cheering the other girls along. I hardly ever played. And that was pretty much enough that I was like, I, this is not super enjoyable for me. Um, I knew I wanted to be a teacher and part of going to school and being in the school of ed is having hours with children. And it just so happened my family owned a daycare. So I started working there and I pretty much just worked all through high school. Did you, did you get like anxiety before like softball games and that sort of thing? Yeah. Uh, also when I was very young, like probably younger than my softball days, uh, I was signed up for, <laughs> notice I was signed up for, I did not have any say in this, uh, basketball, like through the YMCA. And I told, I have this quote that my mom likes to, to bring back up every once in a while that I loved playing basketball, the running up and down the court part, but <laughs> I never wanted the ball in my hands. <laughs> as soon as they give it to me, I pass it off to someone else. So I would get really nervous though. I don't really like all eyes on me. And so that's, I feel like sports is one of those cases where all eyes are on you. And even if they're not like with basketball or with volleyball, I know those are team sports and not necessarily like everyone's staring at you. It's still, I don't know, you know, that feeling where you think everyone is paying attention to you and really no one cares, you know, totally. everyone's worried about themselves. So when I was in college, then I went to UW-Whitewater Sophomore year of college, I decided that some of my friends were starting to gain a little bit of weight and I didn't want to do that. So there was a gym in the bottom of my dorm and I went down there and I would literally spend one to two hours like every day on the elliptical. I had no idea what I was doing. I had never really worked out before. So once I got going on the elliptical, I realized that my mileage could 
basically double if I went on the treadmill. So at mm. some point I switched from the elliptical to the treadmill. And again, I had never run before, so I was probably not going super fast or anything, but. <laughs> well, what's interesting about this is Bracken, you've alluded to like doing some recovery runs with Lisa in college. I actually was under the assumption that you were some sort of like organized athlete. No, not at all. And you're pretty dang quick this like to like today. Luckily, I have some natural talent, I think, when it comes to running, but I'm not actually talented, if that makes sense, as far as running goes. She she also just gave us her first glimpse into how her mind works. She was on the elliptical and realized if I work for the same amount of time on the treadmill, I get more miles. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So eventually I started running outside and then one day, this is like super random, I was going to the bathroom in the dorm and there was a poster on the wall that said like, do you enjoy running, uh, contact so-and-so and run with us. And so I'm thinking like, oh, this is a cute little run group and I can make friends and whatever. So did you struggle with that before we met? Were you, did you struggle with making friends? Did you need I have no groups? friends. Yeah, no friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I don't believe that. Like I said, my friends were not into that scene. So they were, you know, going out and partying a lot. And I wasn't really into that. So you weren't you weren't gaining weight personally, though. I don't think so. You saw other girls gain like the freshman 15 and you were like, I don't want to become that. Kind of. Yeah, that was my motivation. And it's kind of vain, but basically, yeah. So I contacted this person and I went to this meeting and turns out it was the coach the head coach of uw whitewater's cross-country team that sneaky son of a gun seriously and he just was like giving me a lock to my locker in the locker room like i went to this meeting and i was on the team because they needed one more runner in order to make it a let like a team that can compete so he for, for title nine they button hooked you they they lured you in. He gave me no option. And I... Oh, is this allowed? <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm really bad at saying no, too. So, like, if even if he had been like, oh, is this something you're, like, interested in? You know, give us some thought. I would have been... I would have felt guilted into it. I need to be on the team so that they can compete. Was there you a know? time trial involved? Was there, like, a hit? Can you Nothing. Run? No, he didn't ask any of my times. He said, when you run outside, what pace do you run? And I was you- like... I don't know, like eight minute pace. And he's like, okay, that's what we, that's what the girls kind of run for recovery runs and such. And I was like, okay, cool. I can keep up with them. I went home and I went on the treadmill for, I don't know how many days it was between when I was with like in this meeting and actually joining the team. But I practiced then. I was like, I need to be able to keep up with these girls. Are you telling me that because you sat down on the toilet and there was a poster on the door (laughs) that now you're married to Bracken Cracker with, Yes. A bunch with kids because of that that situation. Is that yes. true, Bracken? It is. I've never heard another version of that story. And it's funny because that is so unlike me. Still, whenever I tell this story, I have to include that because that is not me. I am not the person who's like, yeah, I want to join this club of people and people. <laughs> like, be by wow. other people. That's not me. So that was really random. But it also obviously led to some great things in life. It did, but this is where the the race anxiety starts. So she heard, I need to be able to run eight minute pace because that's what the girls run. So she went and practiced eight minute pace leading up to day one of cross country. 
this coach, he is a really great guy, but he didn't, I don't know if he's ever coached someone who had zero running background. So I was just on the team, but he never coached me specifically. I didn't know anything about running. I didn't know that you shouldn't go 90% every day to keep up with the rest of the girls. Like these girls were blowing me away. And I was just like, whatever, I'm here. I made some really great friends. I'm still in touch with some of them, but it was, it was bad. Okay. So what year of college was this? This was in, this was my junior year, I believe. I just think this is like, this is your own unique story. But if you talk about like OCR, maybe the trail scene, I feel like what would you say? 50% of the people get dragged into their first event or something with no real background and no understanding yeah. of what they're doing. And suddenly they're just there. So yeah. I feel like this is, I mean, that was Bracken, right? He, he signed up last minute because of a friend. So that's, yeah, it's relatable, I suppose. But part of it then is this is where, like Bracken said, this is where my anxiety comes from because there was one race where I took dead last. Cross country. So we have hundreds of people. In cross, yeah, in cross country. Mm. So it was not like the five or six of us. It was hundreds. Mm. Um, I stopped to throw up a time or two because I was really nervous, you know, not not racing well. It didn't go away when the gun went off, as no, they say? No, 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 not at all. It got worse. It was so bad that there was a girl on the team who rolled her ankle all the time. So I passed her in this one particular race. I passed her because she was sitting on a rock crying about her ankle. I then continued running, stopped to throw up, time or two. She passed me and beat me in the race on a rolled ankle. And I'm like, this is terrible. This is no fun. Why would anyone do this to themselves? I don't know. If, have you ever, Brecken, do you know anybody else that like mid-race, like anxiety, like throw up? No. I also don't know anyone else who ran their first race of their life as a on a college team. Yeah, that's true. Everyone preps that summer before college and they came off their high school race season. Or no one picks up collegiate running. So, no, she, she's uh, she's unique <laughs> in that regard. Nice so example. did you hold her hair back a time or two or how did you? I didn't know her then. Oh, you weren't on the cross team or you weren't there yet? I was a, she's a year older than me. So I was a sophomore. So I had gotten to Whitewater and now I was at lacrosse trying to play baseball. So this was pre-Bracken being at yeah. Whitewater. Yeah, oh, I wait, actually, I was at Whitewater this time in my party years. And I wasn't into that scene. Got it. This would be like the era where Bracken looked down in the shower and saw a little belly and he was no, like... No, this, this is still nine months before that. Okay. This is, I just stopped running at Campbell and I'm prepping this fall to try to make the baseball team at Whitewater. So you're living separate lives in a sense at this point. Totally, yeah, we're yeah. at the same university and we don't know each other. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So how did that first season end up panning out for you? Did you race all the races? Did you? I did. I did race all of them. I, I actually looked it up today because like Bracken can tell you everything about every race pretty much he's ever run. What he was wearing, what shoes mm -hmm. he was wearing, what the weather was, all of that. And I, I can't. So earlier I looked up my best... 5k time while I was at Whitewater was 22 something. Okay. On a cross course. Yeah. So mm -hmm. not, not great by any means. 
So then the track team, or so then track season rolled around, and I was just like automatically on the team because of cross. Again, nobody ever talked to me about this. So my coach was just like, oh, yeah, I think you'd be a pretty good 800 runner, which actually now anyway, I prefer longer. Like I'd rather run mm-hmm. a half marathon than a mile. So that was a bad choice for me. There was there was like a, a senior in high school who would come run with the team, and she was just smoking me. And I was like, this is the worst worst thing plus you know in track everyone's like milling around and they're like kind of watching what's going on and i was that that thing where everyone's watching you again so Mm -hmm. yeah so it was terrible (laughs) what what was like what was the lead up like like the week the week of races or just all the time i suppose in season how would you describe the race anxiety in the lead so so bad it was this it was kind of the same. It was it was one of those things. It was like a pit in my stomach. It was just always on my mind. I was trying to like hype myself up, but I knew like in doing the hype, I was actually making myself more nervous. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have I didn't have any like strategies or any way of I don't know, working through it really. Now, I run to work through anxiety and things like that. And at that point, the running was causing the anxiety. Talk about a catch 22. Right, right. So that part was weird. And maybe if I could go back, you know, I would do so many things different. Obviously, I would just not be on the team, but <laughs> we wouldn't be here today. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I don't mean to just pick well, since we're talking about it, I'm not meaning to like pick on you with this, but oh no. Cause I struggle with it a little bit as well. This last weekend in Vegas, uh, my heart rate was elevated suit so- that soon as I started going to the plane the day before all day, normally I rest. Like if I'm sitting still, I'm in the forties, let's say. Okay. And I was almost near 60 as far as heart rate goes. I was up over 10 beats a minute for probably three days straight, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so that's one way it manifests for me. Right. And it's mm-hmm. on my mind a lot and things. So I can understand that. And sometimes it can be worse than that. So, um, but my question is, what's so scary? If you have to think about what is so scary, and Bracken, maybe you can step in. I don't know, but like, what is so what is so scary about competing? Okay, the scariest thing for me is I am a perfectionist, one hundred percent. And despite not ever competing, I'm super competitive. So if I'm doing something, I want to do it the best that I can, but also the best of anyone, you know, Mm -hmm. just knowing that I was, first of all, not racing my best, like throwing up in the middle of a race is not racing your best. So I was not only not racing my best, but I was also not racing anywhere near what everyone else was doing. And so just that kept building and every week, you know, the anxiety would get bigger and bigger because it was the same thing. It was just mounting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So you're afraid. So like anxiety, knowing like you're not the best, but people were still looking at you, acknowledging you weren't the best. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then like having to comfort me when I come through the finish line in last, I was like, oh, this is just the most embarrassing thing ever. You know, it'd be one thing to be last on the team, but to be dead last, 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 it was embarrassing for me. And I know, you know, you read all those memes or those inspirational quotes like someone has to be last and you're lapping everybody sitting on the couch yeah yeah exactly but that's not how my brain works so it was it wasn't good that that part wasn't good for me Mm. did you get better 
Did no. you end up improving or did you end no. up taking the caboose sort of that was your role? Yeah, I I was pretty much last always. Not I wasn't dead last always. There was one race where I was dead last. My goal was always like to beat a handful of people so that I was, you know, mixed in with the the last group instead of being the last last. But um, that carried over then into track where I was just getting my butt handed to me by this high schooler and I eventually just stopped going to practices and I just kind of quit the team and the coach didn't care because he was never invested in me in the first place. Mm. I was necessary so that they could compete, but like me personally, he, he didn't really, he didn't really care. And that sounds really bad, but I, I mean, that's just how it was, you know? So, uh, I didn't know your name, correct? No. Okay. So in, my maiden name is Kolb, which is K-O-L-B, yep. four letters. He called me Lisa Klob all season, and people <laughs> would correct him. And eventually the team started calling me Laura Klob just as a joke that he didn't even know my first name. So I was Laura Klob for a year. It was. <laughs> Wait, did he go with that? Did he start calling you Laura? No, he didn't go with the Laura, but like anything that had my name on it, it said Klob. And he, I, you know, I, I, there was a point where I just stopped correcting him. I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll be Lisa Klob. Do you think it would have, if, if he would have encouraged you appropriately, do you think it would have changed anything? I do. I think if I had someone who, who could actually coach me as a new runner, I think I could have been a whole different person. <laughs> realistically what you outlined though brack and you and i talk about this you should chime in here is like the is is that a lot of times in college or even high school we don't understand why we're there what we're doing or how things should be approached at all and then you're an extreme example of that lisa mm -hmm. you got thrown into the fire yeah. what do you do about that was that the same coach you had bracken was it yeah he coached me my final year i ran cross i had him as the coach and did he seem invested in you? Okay. In, in this guy's defense, like Lisa said, he's a very, very good person. He's very ditzy and scatterbrained. Mm -hmm. hmm. I don't, it's, it's hard to tell with, with someone like that if they're ever choosing to make the wrong decision or if it just never crosses their mind. It's just who they are. Yeah. Th this is my problem and why I rant against high school and college coaching so often is that it doesn't matter if it's a error by omission or by decision, the long-term ramification is the same. Mm -hmm. And so I live with someone who on a day-to-day -day basis in a semi-trivial manner is dealing with bad coaching still to this day. Like her inability to compete in race directly stems from her first running coach. Now I say trivial because we're not dealing with eating disorders. We're not dealing with body image issues. We're not dealing with sexual or physical or mental abuse. And so she was lucky in that way. But if I get to see the long-term ramifications of maybe incidental bad coaching, it just, it really heightens my senses to what is going on out there. And again, college coach can't learn your name, you know, little things like that. I, it, because she's my wife, I don't want to get too caught up in her one scenario, but it's indicative of the bigger problem, which is bad coaches don't stop impacting you when they stop coaching you. 
Yeah, that's fair. And there's two sides of the coaching coin, isn't there? There's one like, do you have a brain for fitness and performance? And can you get that out of your athletes? And then there's the connection component, making you feel understood and learning and understanding. Mm -hmm. I say this all the time with personal training, like I'm an average personal trainer, but I'm very good at connecting with people, which makes me a great personal trainer mm -hmm. because at least people are understood and, and acknowledged. And then you can, you can, you know, base everything off of that, right? Well, and then they feel safe with you too. You know, like if, mm -hmm. if this coach had invested in me as a person, I would have maybe felt safe going to him and saying, this is all way over my head. I have no idea what I'm doing. And he'd be like, Laura, too bad. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, think about that. You, you invite someone in a way, trick them onto the team. You know, they've never been on a team before or really run ever before or trained. What's the first guidance you might give an athlete? If they've never trained before. Yeah, you might tell them how the weekly structure works. We're going to have slow days and fast days, or we're going to run based off effort, or just the small little things to rather than, hey, keep up with the girls every single day and you'll get better. And then that's the extent of your coaching. Yeah. You know, that, that's a tough thing to do. So, I mean, and I was lucky because I... I could run with them. Like eight minute pace was comfortable for me. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily going 90% every day, but I don't know. I thought it was comfortable. Maybe it wasn't, maybe, maybe that's why I struggled. But as far as like the workouts went, I felt like I wasn't actually where I should have been based on my comfortable pace you know? And actually I still have that to this day where I'll go out and run most of my runs between, I don't know, 7.30 and eight minute pace, no matter how long it is. <laughs> Close, closer to 7.30 pace from my uh, <laughs> Strava acknowledged. Yes. Yes. But uh, when it comes to running shorter, faster stuff, like my 5k PR still is not under 20 minutes. And so I've- In a race. In <laughs> we got in an argument on a run one time and she split in 1947. Well, you guys were running together and arguing? Yeah. And you split sub 20. 20. Yeah, she went, her, her race PR is 2044 or 2041 and her, her training PR is 1947. So like still to this day, her mind is her rev limiter. Oh 100%. yeah. Yeah. As soon as I am acknowledging the fact that it's a race or I'm competing against anyone else, I can't. I can't race. What are some of the thoughts in your head? It's the same thing. And I tell myself over and over again, like, this does not matter. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a good wife. I'm a good mom. Like, those are the things that matter in my life. And whether I finish in 25 minutes or 17 minutes, it doesn't matter. And still, I, just, I feel like I can't get over that. As soon as I'm there, there's this this immense pressure that I put entirely on myself. It's not coming from anyone else at this point. Mm -hmm. I just can't get over it. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's even gotten so bad that I don't follow a training plan at all now, because if I see like 10 miles on Saturday, I get anxious for that. And I start building up this whole mental block. Like I can't run that. I, that's too far. What if, what if I'm not feeling good that day? Or what if I get a terrible night of sleep the night before? And then I can't, then I can't follow my schedule and I have to follow the schedule. And so I, I don't have any type of schedule. I run strictly based on how I'm feeling every day. I hear this. I have one athlete in particular that talks about training anxiety. She gets anxious before every single, she's, 
puts her shoes on and she is nervous as all heck. And it's like a four mile recovery run. I know it's the craziest thing. And again, like I, I know my logical mind is saying you're being silly. This is ridiculous. <laughs> you can figure this out. You're a smart person. You can work through anxiety. You mm -hmm. can do all of these things. And yet when I get there, it's just, it doesn't matter. None of the logical thoughts matter. What is your illogical mind? Like what, I'm super curious about this because I deal with race, race anxiety. Bracken, do mm -hmm. you still deal with it at all? Very little, honestly, at this point. I get I get the chemicals pulsing, but it's, I don't I don't get anxiety about it anymore. I get fired up. I, I do for sure. The whole cup, like once Thursday hits, if it's a Saturday race, I'm I'm anxious. No, I still get anxiety, true anxiety for sure. Yeah, it's not an enjoyable lead-in generally, not always. Some, I can't predict it sometimes, but what I want to know is like, what are the, what are the illogical thoughts? Like you're in there. I can't imagine being mid race and having to throw up. So obviously, you know, anytime you're in your own head, right. You talk about like, you're going to perform your best when suddenly everything just goes and you're like zoned, right. There's mm -hmm. nothing bouncing around inside of your noggin. You've never experienced that. No. I get, I get into a race and I'm like, okay, I got to catch girl in hot pink. And then I get to the girl in hot pink and I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I start slowing down? And then she realizes that I passed her and I actually shouldn't have passed her because I'm not that fast. And I look down and my first mile is 640. I can't keep that pace. Oh my gosh, that's so fast. I don't run that every day. Like, you know, it's all these weird thoughts that, <laughs> again, are so illogical. Have you ever raced? and been completely blank, like this, this, the flow state, as we call it, where you are just existing. Your body's moving almost effortlessly, your mind is empty, and it's at just doing what it's supposed to do. Have you ever experienced that flow state? In training runs, yes. I would say that is my training run experience. And I use the word training loosely because I just run. I'm not training for anything. People are like, Oh, are you, do you race like Bracken? I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> so are you training for anything? No, no, I'm not. Training for. Mm. I thought I would break her of this. I thought that we could script workouts and script training for long enough that it would become routine. And then races you like anyone, you get fit, you start noticing progression and workouts, then you want to start racing. No, yep. that didn't occur. So then we tried, what if we just script like two quality days per week? You have a speed day, you have a long day. Having those looming on her schedule gave her the a, a version of race anxiety. And then she didn't want to do the workouts or she couldn't complete them well. And so it really just got to the point where she trains intuitively now, where she has no plan for each day. What happens every day? You say, I'm going for a run. <laughs> Bracken's like, how long are you running? I'm like, I don't know, between three and 10. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a range. It totally, And it's yeah. not a joke either. That's yeah. what it's going to be. If she goes out and she's feeling crappy, she'll do three or four. And if she's feeling good, I'll get a text that, hey, I'm thinking about going long today. And she'll come back in 10 or 12 or 13. Her half marathon PR in her race is 138. And in training, I think it's 136. It's 136 or something like that. Like she, there's a, I specifically remember this cold, wet day where she went out to do four to six. And she got in a good rhythm and just kept going and decided, I'm doing a half marathon today. And two of them were on these, it was spring. So it was just thawed trails over at mm. Bigfoot State Park. And she ended up running like 722 pace for 13 miles, just <laughs> negatives, cutting down each mile and feeling great. And then she decided to stop at a half and then came home and that was it. 
But the previous half marathon we had run, she'd gone out at 7.22 and been sick to her stomach and eventually finished at like 8.15 pace, just hating life. Yeah, I did the same thing. I can't keep this pace for that long. What am I, what am I doing here? Why am I racing? It's, so, this, it's ridiculous. So she can <laughs> access that state if she tricks herself into not caring mm. about a workout. And so like she can't even schedule a long run because if that's looming on her schedule, it destroys the enjoyment yeah. of her runs. But if she just in the moment decides, hey, my body feels good, I'm going long, then she'll do her 12, 13 mile runs, just like clockwork, not be tired, not be sore. What strategies have you tried to abate this situation? Anything? Well, the racing every month strategy, that, that didn't work. Um, mm -hmm. I've tried racing with Bracken. Mm -hmm. several times that doesn't really work because i feel Ra like racing with bracken he runs my pace oh but then i have someone who you know can pace me or hype me up when i need it or whatever i will say there was one one race maybe where i just went and i had a great time uh we were on vacation in hawaii so bracken could run the spartan races and literally the last heat was about to go off and uh his sister Marin was there and she looked at me and she's like do you want to go run and i was like uh sure so she borrowed a pair of his shoes and we like took off the last heat had already gone and we, we were, i was already in the car buckling the kids in we yeah. were on our way out of the parking lot yeah we were like we were leaving and i, st I still had to run that day so I was, I was like sure let's go do it so she and i went through and I wanted to stay with her. Obviously, that was the whole point was to yep. work together. And it was fun. Like, I had a lot of fun. There was, I think, because we were already, we started as the very last people. And because I had no expectations, I had no build up to this. It was, let's go do this. Bam, we're running it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there was like not a second to even consider. Plus, we were in Hawaii, you know, so that kind of, I feel like that makes everything better. Yeah. But you weren't necessarily competing either in a no, sense. No, right, yeah. right. It was basically a training run. So that was probably my only good race experience. So, so race anxiety, and then we'll move on. But race anxiety has won, and you've and you've decided it's it's the winner. And kind of, I'm going yeah. to live my life. Yeah. Just leave that be the kind of the storm cloud and just let that be off in the distance. Yeah. So I think that kind of leads into. Um, I'm going to get kind of deep for a bit, but, um, mm -hmm. I, I tell people I run entirely for my mental health and I do my other workouts entirely for staying in shape. So when I was in college, my 17 year old brother was killed in a car accident and he and I were super close and it just rocked me. Like it was really hard as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Bracken and you met sometime around there, didn't shortly, you? Shortly after his accident. Okay. Yeah. I was in a pretty bad place and um, I was, I, I believe I was running at the time, but not, I wasn't on the team. Actually that year, um, so I ran on the cross team and the kind of the track team for a short bit. And then the next school year, the first day of school, I broke my foot. Um, I had my tonsils out exactly one week before and I was still on like liquid Vicodin. I was taking a nap and my phone rang. I got up to answer it and I just tripped on the carpet and broke my foot. Oh so <laughs> that 
actually was good because I had a really, really good excuse to not be on the team anymore. Sure. So I like went through that and rehab that or whatever. And then I just ran for my enjoyment. And through the time of my brother's accident, I continued to run. I found a lot of peace in that. I He used to ride his bike with me and he'd always tease me and be like, come on, you're going too slow, which obviously, you know, if he's on a bike. Mm-hmm. And his accident, the, the site of the accident is like three miles from my parents' house. And so it's out on a country road. And I found that was super therapeutic too, was to run to that site. And then I would, I would run there and I would stop and cry and just kind of sit for a bit and be mm-hmm. sad. And then I would, can, I'd have to get home. Running started as like a very, very high anxiety thing for me. And Mm -hmm. I used it at that point without knowing it or acknowledging it ever. I used it at that point as a way of working through a lot of sadness and a lot of hurt and pain. So Mm -hmm. I think since then, it's just been like, I'm, I'm out there running to give my mind a break. Like I've got three kids at home and I love them with everything I have. Like I, I think I'm, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I'm the most devoted mom. <laughs> I believe you are. I, I am, I am really like, I'm the mom. COVID has been great in that my kids are home from school and I love that they're home with me 100% of the time. I'm that mom, mm-hmm. but I do really value that time of being outside, getting the fresh air, being completely by myself. Um, I've joined a couple like moms running groups in the, I don't know, in the past couple of years when we were living in Colorado, actually, there's a really, really strong uh, mom running group there. And I joined that and I only went on like three or four runs because that's my time, you know, to, Mm -hmm. to be by myself. And I know a lot of people prefer to run with someone. And I have found through the years that I prefer to run by myself or with Bracken. I think that's my one exception. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I'm okay with not racing. That's not something that I ever feel like I need to do. I, I don't really look at it as like, I know you were just saying, but I don't look at it as the anxiety one. I look at it as I have no purpose for that. Mm-hmm. Bracken has a purpose. He loves being competitive. He loves racing. Like he runs during the week so he can, race on the weekend. And I run during the week so that I can also run on the weekend. <laughs> like, I just, I just want to go out and run. I, I really like this anxiety mental health talk because for me, so I run on the anxious side in life in general, and I've struggled with that. Mm-hmm. If we have Jess on the podcast, she can outline maybe that a little bit better as she can see it. But running for me is obviously it's my sport and I love it, but it's also medicine without question. Mm-hmm. So is it worked the same for you? Oh yeah, for sure. After my brother's accident, both my mom and my sister, you know, went on antidepressants and I, I could have easily, but I used running as my outlet. And again, it wasn't an intentional thing. I wasn't like, oh, I have this like heavy weight on my shoulder. I have to go outside and run. It just I don't know. My body knew I needed that. So I continued to run and it 
again, it was not really anything I ever acknowledged, you know, um, really until the last couple of years where I started saying I run for my mental health and I do everything else for my body's health. So yeah, I totally relate. I am, I am an anxious person naturally. And I, you know, especially through like the pandemic and having small children and all of that mm-hmm. is very stressful. And I'm also one of those people. I was just telling Bracken earlier that if I don't have anything to stress about, I will find something to stress <laughs> about. <laughs> uh-huh. So running is definitely my my medicine. Okay. So I want to pick up this conversation then. So as far as we left it, pre you and Bracken meeting. Yes. I want to get into your two side of things too. If there's more to add to that, please let's add to it. But so where did, so, so there's something in college we used to joke about when we ran track and cross country and that was having speed goggles. There would be like, oh, like she not that pretty, but I'm going to date her anyways. Cause she's fast. <laughs> and be like, be like, you're only dating her. Cause she's fast. Everybody knows. Speed you know. goggles, like beer goggles for running. Yeah. Speed goggles. Wow. I, I fell into it with a, with a girl once who I found not attractive at all, but she was fast and that was the turn on. <laughs> and so suddenly I'm chasing her around. I don't even know why. Right. So in college we called it speed goggles. Okay. Bracken, you didn't have speed goggles, did you? Well, when I met her, she wasn't running on the team. I was still coming off my broken foot. She was spectating. Yeah. When I met her. Yeah. Because I was living with girls on the team at that point. And so they were racing and I went over to watch and kind of stay a part of the atmosphere. (laughs) I like the atmosphere if I'm not having the pressure of having to perform. So yeah, I went to the meet and Bracken was It was there. the It was the alumni meet. So it was where you, uh, all the walk-ons or whoever try out for the team. So this was my first day competing at Whitewater. Do you remember the first time you guys met? Yes. Like said, hello, like looked each other in the eyes. Yes. Tell me more. <laughs> uh, he, first of all, he was friends with, uh, a friend of mine that I went to high school with. She had like her party friends and then I was not really a part of that group. So Bracken was a part of that group and I was not. <laughs> so we could have met through that, but we didn't. Anyway, I knew of him online. Like I think Facebook was just kind of starting around that time and I would Facebook stalk him every once in a while. And I like I played intramural basketball with a couple of her friends. Oh yeah, yeah. So we were kind of in the same circle without being in the same, without ever mm-hmm. having met, which is kind of silly. But so I knew who he was, and I saw him running around, and I was like, "Oof, he's good looking." <laughs> oh, so you were you were in him. This is pre oh, yeah. shaving his head, right? This is hair haired bracken. This is buzz, buzz. buzz cut fohawk. Oof. Not like a real full hawk, just like a, a high tapered close cut. So okay. a good look. Yeah. And he was just moved so athletically on that basketball court, I imagine. <sighs> he had basketball shorts on while he was running. And I thought, this guy. <laughs> I was doing a stride on the track prior to the mile. And so I was mm-hmm. moving down in weight in clothes. And remember, I was not like a part of a running team before college. So once you get to college, I understand it's acceptable to wear running shorts. Prior to that, apparently you don't. 
wear running mm -hmm. shorts. So I only knew running culture as running shorts. And I was like, this guy wearing basketball shorts, he's too cool to be wearing <laughs> runners, <laughs> runner shorts. Kind of true. Wait, so, so okay. But you were spoken for at the time, weren't you, Lisa? Yeah, this is this is a part of my, I was in a really bad place. I was dating this guy who was, um, we dated throughout high school, kind of on and off a couple of times. And uh, we went to college together and he was uh, just not right for me. And I knew that and I had kind of acknowledged that to myself Shortly after my brother's accident, he was really unsupportive and I felt really hurt by that. And just there was like no repairing that. And yet I'm one of those people. I I don't like change very much. So it was comfortable for me. Like I knew him and we were in this relationship. We had been kind of together for several years. And so I I don't know, like I knew it was over. But at the same time, I I was scared to end it and be by myself, I think. But then this shiny dangling object ah, off in the distance. This majestic stallion came striding by at four minute pace on the track. And... So so I was I was with someone. Um, that's actually really embarrassing for me to like tell as part of our story, but it is it is what it is at this point. So yeah, Bracken came over to the group of people I was sitting. In and he's like, man, I'm really hungry. Does anyone want to, <laughs> would anyone like to go get food? And I was like, yep. <laughs> Did you have your eye on her at this time already, Brad? Yeah. I knew everyone there because I'd been running fall workouts. I'd never seen her before. And she was the best looking one there at the meet. And I was like, <laughs> all right, well, I need to get to know her. <laughs> and so he did. We went to McDonald's of all places. It's a great first. It's about I all I could afford. But this other guy on the team wanted to come with too. So the three of us went to McDonald's and he, when he saw that we had a little bit of chemistry, he immediately announced to me that she had a boyfriend. <laughs> as, awkward. as awkward college guys will do. Uh, He's like, well, if I can't have her, at least this guy can't have her. So. Wow. Continue. So we got to know each other platonically. Yeah. We, and from there we texted a lot my family decided not to celebrate christmas this was our first year after losing my brother and uh we went to arizona and stayed there for a week bracken and i texted a lot this was in the day when you had to like pay per text mm -hmm. and bracken's texting bill was like it was like 280 dollars that month <laughs> <laughs> worth it because <laughs> you got like 500 free texts and then everything after that was like 20 cents a text. Yeah, that really dates us right here. Yeah, it does. So, so yeah, we texted and we really got to know each other as friends compared to just jumping right into a relationship, which actually we've talked about this a lot, but looking back probably or saved us as a couple because we, you know, we were physically attracted to each other. And so that wasn't like the only thing we ended up mm -hmm. becoming really good friends. And I ended things with this other guy and we and I married her. Yeah. You win. Yeah. I mean, in the whole time, like I was absolutely in it. It was a win or lose thing for me. Like my mm -hmm. entire goal was to get her to leave him. And <laughs> you weren't bashful about that. Well, I didn't, I didn't tell her, but I had like, the, the, I wasn't talking to her because I wanted to be, good friends with her. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of clear to me too. And I was, again, that was a, a dark place for me. So, um, 
<laughs> don't say that. Makes it sound like. Well, not, not because of I was, you. I was desperate. I didn't I was, no, no, no. I was, I was in a dark place. And so I didn't handle all of that as I should have. But ultimately, we came out of it as a couple. And he really supported me. I mean, he helped me through that that really terrible time. And it was, it was very telling to me because this other guy that I was with, you know, he knew my brother and he like, we went to high school together. And so he was always at my family's house and he was with my brother all the time. And after the accident, you know, he was like, you've got to stop crying. You've got to pull yourself together. And like, this was a week after. And I was like, that's not how I'm handling this. That's not being supportive of me. And Bracken didn't know my brother and he was nothing but supportive. He just let me cry. Like sometimes I'd come over and I'd just cry (laughs) and it was what I needed, you know? So he, he really was exactly what I needed at that point in my life, actually. Good job, Bracken. Yeah. So how did moving forward then? Okay. So Bracken's this stallion, right? Oh yeah. Stallion runner, and here you are. We've established that. Yeah. <laughs> so here you are. So here you are now. Like, like I hate this. Uh-huh. How did you guys move forward that way? Um, it was easy. We we just started running together. That's true. We did run together. Um, like once we got out of college, we married very shortly after, and we ran together all the time, every I day. I don't know if you remember that correctly. Why? Because. I worked for a whole year after college before we got married. That's like a short time. Okay. Right? We started running together in college because I was taking so many credits because I dicked around my first three and a half years of school that I had to take like 20 credits or more in my last year and a half to get out. So I I couldn't train with the team. So I just ran by myself and all the easy runs were with Lisa. Yep. Just a quick curiosity. Did he ever try to get you into the Spartan racing? (laughs) Okay, so there's a race called Hard Charge. You heard of it? Uh, yeah, it was before my time, but yes. Okay, they had cameras on like ATVs. It was all televised. It was it was actually a pretty good setup. If we're, I'd prefer to watch that over Spartan still, probably. Can you find it anywhere? Probably. It was Minnesota based, actually. Kerry Tollison was their commentator. Uh-huh. Um, it was, it was very, I'd been trying to, because remember at the time when I came into Spartan, it was 2011 and anyone with any amount of talent was nationally ranked. Mm-hmm. I was like, we could go or I was looking around like, Lisa, we could go clean up. Like I'm probably the second or third best person in the country. So I'm like, no, no, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. I'm not, not ever. And the guys fields, the guys fields deeper than the women. You could easily be top three to five in the country. We could go around and just double what I'm winning. You just show uh-huh. up. We could r- just travel and race. That'll be the life. And I'm like, nope, mm-mm, nope. You'd hate that. I I would hate that. And then, unless I was winning, and honestly, I- if I were winning, I would have been all in because that's the competitive side of me. And then mm-hmm. I wouldn't have. I think I wouldn't have such terrible anxiety if I knew I was going to a race and I was going to be like top three or whatever. But mm-hmm. but I also I like didn't. The better you are, the worse it is. Do you yeah. agree with that? If you have the target yeah. on your back, I feel like it's more pressure. But can, yeah, probably. Can- and when you're in like 20th or if you're in last, you look top three, you'd be like, oh, that'd be so great. And if you're in third, you're like, if I don't take second, this yeah. is terrible. And, and then if you win, it's like, well, if I do anything but win, that's terrible. Yeah, it just, well, it all changes. At the top, it's like you have nothing left to prove to to show that you're better, but you only have something to lose if somebody beats you. So it's like yeah. kind of yeah. a tough person sometimes, but yes. And, and I didn't truly understand yet, like the depths of her, of her anxiety for racing. And so I still thought like, oh, I can, 
I can fix that. I mean, we can get over that. I, I didn't understand that there were actually people wired to not want to compete. I thought it was just something like an acquired taste. So I was still trying. So yeah, hard charge came along and they, um, Lisa, I've never told you this. Oh boy. I lied to her. I told her that um, they were going to pay for me to come out and everything, but only if she came with, because they needed more people for the female field. Lie. And that was a lie, Lisa. I think I have to leave this I said, interview. <laughs> I, I, said, I said, I'll only do it if uh, you tell my wife that she should come too. She got duped into running twice in her life now. I feel so let down right now. I know, but I thought like this is one of those white lies because it's a small race. She's gonna win easily. She'll get money. It'll be so satisfying and instant reward for it. And then we're off on this obstacle racing honeymoon here. Okay, so my feelings aren't actually hurt. I have a bad memory, so I don't remember that, <laughs> that part of it. I do remember running the race I, there were not very many people, maybe 25 women, if that, maybe 30 tops. I consider myself a strong person, but I don't think I am like functionally strong as far as obstacles go. Like I have zero grip and I don't know, like climbing a rope is out of the question for me. So there were several... Okay, getting over the walls. I had never done it before. There was no technique in my mind. And so I spent forever like getting over walls. I set you up for failure. I thought it was a really easy race. I thought it was half as hard as Spartan. That's right. His race finished. He came over to me and he's like, this is so easy. Uh-oh. It's a piece of cake. And I was like, okay. I was trying to get her confident, but also there they didn't have any rigs. The hardest thing they had was this monkey bar with staggered monkey bars. And you had just gone through a crawl and you were sandy and wet. And I thought it was tough to hang on to the monkey bars. So I said, all you have to do is get through the monkey bars and you're fine. So I don't really even remember the obstacles, but I do remember there was one obstacle where <laughs> they had like a timeout box. If you couldn't complete the obstacle, there was like tape on the ground and you had to stand in the taped box for like, 30 seconds or a minute or whatever. So I was trying this obstacle. I think it was some sort of wall. And I was trying this obstacle. I was trying, trying, trying. And I was like, I'm not getting this. And there was a guy standing there and he's like, try again, try again. I was like, no, I'm not getting this. Like, let me stand in the box so that I can have my time go and then I can keep running. Sounds like a nice penalty. <sighs> yeah, awesome I mean, it penalty. wasn't burpees or anything. Except it's her but... worst case scenario. You're standing there and people watch you fail. Yes. And, then... and you're just standing there doing yes. nothing. <laughs> yes, totally helpless. So... Not funny, but I can imagine that's kind of comical. Like You're just standing there in shame. Alone. Exactly. For a minute or whatever. That's kind of a long time. And people are like running up and passing you. And mm -hmm. so that was not a great race experience. I was in the timeout box. I was in the box of shame for, for long. Because it was like five foot, six foot, seven foot, eight foot walls in a row. That's what it was, yeah. But she had no technique, so she couldn't get over the seven, and then she couldn't get over the eight. So she's just sitting there. Us pro, us pros, heavy air quotes again when I use that word. Um, like I have an athlete right now who went and did her first couple Spartan races, and she couldn't get over the four foot wall in the start corral. Mm. And she said, I'm not going to another effing race until like I had to sneak around the four foot wall to just even start the race. Mm -hmm. And that was like a very, like people experience these sort of things all the time mm -hmm. and you don't even think about it. And her thing's like, I got to get over that four foot wall. Otherwise I'm not even going to start. 
Yeah. So for example, this happens all the time. We don't think about that, but there's thousands of people at every race venue that go through those sort of things. So. Well, and I, I'm a decent runner in that I can go out and run a decent pace for uh, like your average run, but I have no like athletic ability otherwise. So when I come up against a five foot wall, I'm, I'm five, five. So I'm not even like particularly short, but I'm looking at this wall thinking it's almost as tall as me. How do you get over this? And, you know, Bracken can show me, but I can't move my body in the way that he does. You know, I'm not athletic in that sort of way. Mm -hmm. So the obstacles to me are like, no, I, I have no knowledge of them. And unless I was able to actually practice every obstacle a lot and become proficient at it before the race, like I have no hope of at least I, I think I have no hope of completing them. Mm-hmm. The last, the finishing gauntlet probably took 15 minutes, the last 200 meters, because it was all things she couldn't do. And she was so embarrassed and frustrated. I could see it. He was in front of a crowd. This is like in the festival area. You know, mm-hmm. they have the last bit. And I was like, this is. And <laughs> there's cameras. And, yeah. and, and I just walked up at the finish and I said, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'll never ask you again to do a race. And I haven't. That was probably mm-hmm. 20. 12 2013 and i haven't since that day asked her to do a race yeah he saw the look in my eyes (laughs) it was like i hate you and i hate this sort of look yeah i was like you said this was easy (laughs) easy i was in a box of shame (laughs) (laughs) the box of shame does sound better than burpees but if you think about it it might be worse just helpless you know how many people Race anxiety probably takes out of the sport itself. There has to be way more than we even understand. The battle that people fight with this has to be, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people listening battle with it in some sense. So it's just very interesting to hear. It's very interesting to hear. It's like, it's it's the tough thing is like, you acknowledge it, you know it's there. You mm-hmm. have a, a logical person. Yeah. You're self-aware. Yeah. But you can't fix it. No, I can't. And it's, it's really funny because... You know, here I am with Bracken, who's really good at it, and I'm not. But I also just have no desire. And mm-hmm. like I said, maybe if I had done that hard charge race and I just like smashed the other women, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm really good at this," then you know, maybe we would be. Maybe my mind would <laughs> be different. But as uh-huh. it is, it's not. It's not for me. We wanted to talk about like the everyday runner. It's okay mm-hmm. to just run to run, right? Mm-hmm. Is there any more you wanted to add to that? Like, just like, it's okay. Like we always talk about being purposeful with your training and like every workout has to have a purpose. And we kind of shove that down people's throats. Mm-hmm. And here you are the wife of one of the best coaches I know, not adhering to any of those principles. I know it's so funny. I'll be like, okay, as my husband, should I go run today? And he's like, yes. I'm like, as a coach, should I? And he's like, no. <laughs> he knows. He knows I just need it for my my mental health. And so he's really good about breaking away from like his coach role to let me just be a happier person. Bracken, do you think there's a place for in a person's purposeful workout plan, they're having a day or they're super anxious or they're angry at the world or something tragic happens in their life. Is it okay to, to pull a Lisa, a Laura, whatever, and <laughs> a Kolb and 
just go for it? What do you think to that person who, who uses it, their training, but they also are using it to manage life? What do you think? I always ask her the same question when she asks a question that she knows what she wants the answer to be. <laughs> she said, I know this is what you would say, but I said, what is, what are you training towards? Mm -hmm. And I think that dictates everything. Like, I'm training for performance. So everything I do, like I have to, I have to hit my big workout if I'm anxious that day. I have to hit it if I have life tragedy. I have to, I have to hit it to avoid skipping it. Yeah. Lisa and people like Lisa, they are not training towards performance. They are training happiness and running makes her happy. And if that day you don't have any desire to run, then you don't run. And if yep. that day, you know, you're beat up and sore and you want to get 12 in, you go and get 12 in and you readjust the next day or the day after you pay those consequences when they arise, because happiness has to, has to be your driving force because that is her goal. I want to be stable and happy and I want to enjoy my life. And this is my way of doing it. And so that, that everything she does in training is framed by what makes me happy. So no, it was difficult for me to, to accept that for years because that is not what science says. That's not what, it doesn't matter about that because who cares what her adaptation to the stress is because that's not the stress that matters. It's not the physical stress that's important. It's the mental. Mm -hmm. Like, And I'll be honest, there are times, like I took um, the entire last week off of running because my body was just tired. Like I am really bad at taking rest days because my mind doesn't take a rest, you know, yep. it's always yep. on and I always want that release. And so uh, I'll, I'll take, I've been taking one to two off days a week for a while. I've, I've been trying to be good about it, but I'm bad about taking like a full off day. Like an off day for me now means not running, but still doing 50 minutes of a leg workout. You know, that's not an off day. And then I'll go out the next day and then I'll want to run 10 miles. And I just, I, I get to a point where my body is tired and I know, I know what I need to do. And like Bracken said, it's kind of, I need to weigh my choices. And if I'm having a day where I just need to be outside for a run, I'll do it. And then there are times where I am really bad about listening to my body and it kind of compounds. And then I need to end up taking three or four, five, six, seven days off so that my body can recover. And that's just one of the consequences, I guess, of the ways of the way that I train is that my body doesn't necessarily always, it's not always ready to go. Well, that's, that's the actually trap. Like if somebody is just training like blindly and not knowing what they're doing and thinking every run needs to be hard, like right. there are people out there training without any other uh, purpose other than to perform. And you can't predict what your body's going to do because you aren't doing anything with purpose. And so that's how a lot of people end up feeling, to be honest with you. Yeah, for sure. And I think I'm lucky in... Well, I think I'm lucky in that I don't have a race next weekend where I'm like, oh, I took all last week off and my body was so tired. And, you know, it's if I take a week off, I take a week off. And if my body's super tired, then my body's super tired and it doesn't affect anything else, you know. Bracken, you've played a lot of sports. <laughs> I played a lot of sports. You've played a few more. Do you think there's anything as – it's going to be so subjective, but do you think there's anything as cerebral – either for the better or the worse, as far as your performance goes than running? Like, do you think, I mean, they're so different ball sports and such, but 
This is a this is a game of of headspace is more than anything I would say, wouldn't you? It's I mean it's right up there. There's certainly nothing that's more dictated by your mind than running. It'd be a disservice to other sports to say that it's the most, but if it's not, it's tied. You can only do what your mind lets you do. And that's why like for her, she trains the way I would never recommend. Like she every day is a gray zone run for her. Mm-hmm. Her 5K pace is 640 or 645, and she trains at 720 to 730 every day. I couldn't imagine. That's yeah. like us running 550 pace every day. <laughs> couldn't imagine. And that's fun. That's the most fun pace to run at, to go out and run four to six miles comfortably hard. That's fun. But it just adds up over time. But that's why she can't have a schedule. It's, I feel like doing five miles at that, or I feel like doing 15 miles at that, or 13 is usually what you cap your long runs at. But yeah. And I just do that until it compounds and now I got to take some time off. So mm-hmm. her rules are totally internal. We don't, we don't set rules for that because what's, who cares? She'll, she'll do 10 one day and she'll know I would need to go four or five tomorrow to recover from that. But if I feel somehow good tomorrow, I'm going to do 12 again or 10 again. Right. And now I'll pay the cost later because what does it affect down the road? This isn't a training plan. This is a happiness plan. Mm-hmm. It's actually kind of bad because if my legs are sore, it's usually my best run. Like the day after leg day, mm-hmm. that's my that's a great run for me. So <laughs> it's kind of bad because sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be like, man, that run yesterday, my legs are feeling it, but let's go. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then it compounds totally. I'm it, sure totally yeah. it does. Yeah. It does. And so that's just what it is. I ran through all three of my pregnancies. Oh. Um, I stopped when it started feeling uncomfortable that was at like around six seven months with all of them and then i got pretty much right back into running after my pregnancies because well as a new mom and having a tiny one and then having a tiny one and other children i definitely needed that and i knew at that point running is my sanity and so i would like to encourage women who are in that position, you know, to find something that can be your release and make sure that you make time for you. You know, they, you always hear like when you have a baby, if the baby's napping, you should nap or like moms need a break too. And Mm -hmm. moms do need a break, but maybe find that thing that is giving you a break. And maybe it is napping, but for me, running goes, that was, that was my time. There are a number of women who are very afraid to do something like that through pregnancy to run. You didn't find any adverse effects or negative consequences to that, only positive while pregnant? No, I didn't have anything negative. I would say they do say that your tendons become like more loose when you're running or when you're pregnant. And I rolled my ankle really bad. It actually was my last, that was my last run with our youngest. So I stopped running, but I did continue to work out and I worked out kind of hard because I knew my body felt best when I was running and working out. And I was just Mm -hmm. afraid of, you know, when you're ready to have a baby, like that's like actually labor. That is (laughs) the hardest workout you'll ever have. And cannot imagine. Yeah. And I felt like I had to be like prepared for that. And, you know, I was cleared to do everything that I had been doing basically. I mean, I listened to my body. That was the best I've ever listened to my body was when I was pregnant Mm -hmm. because I obviously didn't want to hurt the baby at all. But, but no, I thought, 
I thought it was really good. And actually my third pregnancy, I worked out the most. I worked out a lot during that one. Then I also bounced back really, really well. And mm-hmm. when I say bounce back, I don't necessarily mean I had like a six pack in a number of weeks, you know, just as far as my health went after having birth and my births were much easier you know, my second and third births were easier than my first. And I worked out more for my second and third labors. And then again, the recovery period was better because I was continuing to work out and stuff. So I've seen it with a number of my clients and my sister. Yeah. Who, like, it's like, I mean, like six weeks, eight weeks after giving birth. And mm-hmm. I look, I look at her, I'm like, what on mm-hmm. earth? Because she set herself up well by continuing to stay fit and then kind of jump back in. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot to do that. Um, so Bracken's Bracken's not here because he's taking care of crying kids. So can we talk smack about him? Oh yeah, sure. What do you want to What do you want to talk about? <laughs> Before he comes back on, I want you to talk about like the annoying things that he does, right? Because what What is your biggest What do you have a Bracken pet peeve? Like one thing that he does that annoys you? Anything that jumps out? That actually. Dang it! He's back. He's back. I no, I don't. I don't really. We're really, this is not what you want to hear, but we're actually really good about if we have little things like we're, our communication is pretty good. So I feel like I can, I don't know if there's something that's like bothering me, I bring it up and address it. I left the room and we're talking about like pregnancy running. I come back and we're talking about my biggest flaws. Yeah. Yeah. It was time to move. I thought we could talk smack while you were gone, but you came back too quick. Did you say my core? No. <laughs> yeah, I'm work on my abs. One other thing I want to know, because Bracken and I refer to you and I refer to Jess quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Is anybody ever going to have the opportunity to meet you at any race this year? Will you be anywhere with Brackenstein in support where somebody can, can meet you or say hello? I would love to. I'm definitely feeling the urge to travel and get out of the house. Hopefully. That's my answer. Hopefully. We we stopped once we got to so many kids. Yeah, when you have to pay for all those plane tickets, it's like, geez. Mm-hmm. And and then now we're to the point where travel's more feasible, plus they're all by this summer like sleeping by themselves. So we can just get out and go. So our plan is that this is the year we go back to like young newlyweds traveling their races. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you think you'll be to some of these Midwest ones where I, I can Oh, yeah. Some- yeah, I would really hope to to do at least those for sure. Midwest for sure. I've been, I owe her Tahoe for half a decade now. We, every year I'm like, I'm going to Tahoe. I need to see it. It's so beautiful. I love being outside and, uh-huh. well, not in direct sunlight per my <laughs> softball story, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. And every year, you know, he books flights kind of close to race day. And so the price goes up, up, up. And then every year I'm like, it's totally not worth it. Like you just fly out and do your race and come home and I'll stay home with the kids. So we will see you. Hopefully. Yeah. That's All right. What have I not asked? Anything else? Well, how would you rate him on a scale of one to 10 as a father? Oh, he's the best. He's absolutely the best. Yeah. As a, as a husband. He's the best. He's, he's always considerate of me and the kids. As a decision maker. He's 100% better than me. <laughs> he is the decision maker. As a, as a driver. He's better than me. Yeah, he's he's good. He's a 10? Yeah, I'd say. As an athlete? Well, I think he's super athletic, so I'd, I'd give him a 10 for 10. All right. As a kisser? He's good. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go 11 for 10 there. Wow. I know. 
as a back massager. Oh, really good. That's good. <laughs> I'm really set, I'm really setting him up to look good here. I was doing. Yeah, that keep coming. Let's yeah. see. How, let's see how many tens I can get here, Kirk. I nope. I got to get to work. I just, <laughs> oh, sorry, I, darn. <laughs> that's all I got. That's all I got for you guys. Okay. What do you got? And we're gonna end on me being a good lover. I am fine here. I didn't ask that question. It was insinuated, Kirk, and the answer was he's a fifteen out of ten. <laughs> I, I knew when to stop. <laughs> Well, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the chat. It was good to get to know you a bit. Yeah, you too. I mean, I guess I didn't really get to know you any better. You just got to know me. <laughs> Very one-sided. That's all right. Well, next time, you know. I already feel like I know you, so there. I already told my story. Yeah, exactly. It was good chatting with you guys. Yeah, you too. See you, man.